Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 235 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Souverain, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder bar for this episode, Commander Shan. Hello. And Commander Edelweiss. I need oxygen. <laughs> if you actually you can't join us live this episode because the only one of us who's in game is Edelweiss, and he is um, about ten light years away from Sagittarius A star, mining misanthropically for uh, oxygen. What system exactly are you guys in? Do you really want to be try, try and say this? I'm not Colin, but I'll do it. <laughs> but, but, like, I, maybe... Okay, I am in... Pop it in Ju- the Twitch chat. Yeah, I'll do that. But I'm in Giovanni BC-B, D1-8970, and I'm in Planet A8, and I'm in the Fleetcom private group. Lovely. So it sounded just like a Star Wars draw, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so if anybody's listening and wants to join us, you can join a, a couple of us and um, our special guest uh, in that system, which I won't repeat, where they are mining. Um, if you can't get in-game, then we are also on Twitch, and you can hop into the, the chat channel there, and you can access that through laveradio.com forward slash live and click on live chat, or on twitch.tv forward slash laveradio. Shan, how's your week been? It's been pretty good, actually. Marie Kondo has left the building, so... <laughs> My, my possessions are now intact, although we did take uh, a substantial number of boxes to the tip to get rid of the stuff, which many a tear was shed, but it kind of had to be done, really. So, Whose tears yeah. were those? Were those yours or Mrs. Shan's? They were both. There was um, my tears of sadness and her tears of joy. So, Fair enough. <laughs> what about that um, mysterious uh, pile of polystyrene or something in the corner of your office, which had replaced oh. your belongings? That has that went as well. But I I did manage to rescue quite a few items I regard as collector's items. So I think the damage in the end was minimal. But the uh, the the guy at the tip was most pleased, I think, with the two hundred computer game boxes. <laughs> Empty I computer have. game boxes. Well, they'd all been registered and used, so they're not any good to anyone. But you know. <laughs> Lovely, uh, and they probably wouldn't. Lo- they probably wouldn't work in Windows 10 anyway. I think I had. Uh, I think I had like a copy of Doom on there, or on floppy disk, and Strike Commander, and oh, uh, lots. Showing your age now. Gosh, <laughs> Ben, how's your week been? Yeah, my week's been awesome. Nothing particularly, really, very exciting happening. I've not had a chance to go see Marvel yet, so that might happen later in the week. Apart from that, uh, I took my daughter to the doctor because she went off and attacked her finger with something and I then made her cry. Well, the doctor made her cry, but she did manage to break the hearts of all the cleaners of the doctors, so that was kind of cute. <laughs> Due to her finger? She, We don't quite know. Basically, we think she went off and trapped her finger in one of the cupboard doors in the kitchen. Mm. But she won't tell us, and she's and she doesn't let any, she's not letting anybody touch her finger or anything like that, and that included the doctor. Um, and as soon as the doctor was like, "I want, to, I need to see it," and she's like, "I don't like you," and started crying, and basically could be heard all the way down at the waiting room. <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, Gosh. she did not like that doctor. <laughs> Sounds like a very eventful weekend. See, when fun. my when that sort of thing happened to my kids, I sort of that oh yeah i did the same and look what happened to me and i like to do the missing finger thing <laughs> yeah do the broken my finger Whee! <laughs> um, kids are great to experiment on aren't they <laughs> that's not legal shan they are not npcs 
So uh, apart from that, well, hang, on, well, hang on a minute. They are. They're, they're like NPCs because they because <laughs> they, they take most of your money. They take your glory when you achieve something, and you're not really rid of them. So you know they have quite they, rudimentary schedules as well. Yeah, and they're impo- and they're incapable of empathy. <laughs> Guys, we've got it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I still think you would probably be done with child labour laws. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, before we get too far uh, down this extremely unnerving topic, we have a special guest this evening, Dr. Kai of Distant Worlds fame. Hello. Hello, humans. Hello, Suverain. How are you? Terribly good, thanks. Terribly good. Um, where are you what at the moment? What do you want? <laughs> um, <laughs> in game, I am right behind Aid, um, looking at his lovely exhaust fumes. Even more worryingly, he's right behind me. Got his weapons out. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> my hard points be more specific yes, yes. <laughs> jolly good okay that doesn't sound like a worrying place to be at all no well, i not. just see this i just see this triangle appeared on my appearing on my screen i was like oh shit hey you're the triangle you're a triangle <laughs> actually no i haven't only got mining lasers i think i've got some, i've got some beam lasers on this thing as well actually okay so yeah you're a two-tone iridescent triangle i really love your paint job I, it's one of the well, yeah. I'll start it. Suverin, can we go into the newsletter already? Huh? What? Huh? The, uh, um, we were going to do community stuff after James. Had oh, talked so we were. Okay. Okay. His, well, uh, I don't know. I'll just I'll just show off my nice my shiny paint job that James can do talking. James, how the hell has your week been? You must be one of the busiest players in the entire game at the moment. <laughs> I am quite busy, but um, I've been working on the CG. I've been working on dealing with. The organizers, frontier, real life. It's been a good week, but it's very early in the week to say. So hopefully it's going to stay good. We um yeah, we're trying to complete the CG, but it looks like we might not make it unless things pick up. So really, hopefully we can encourage the fleet to double down. Huh. The um the last one was smashed out of the park. What do you think the difference is? The difference is that there was a bug on the first day, and it took a long time for people to actually sign up for the CG. Right. Why that might have put people off, but even if it didn't, we lost the whole day. And we're probably only going to be short by about a day's worth of efforts. Uh, we're not going to be short. We're going to make it. I'm sure everyone's going to realize and suddenly like, you know, go into overdrive. But yeah, um, it's almost certainly that, what is which is quite surprising. What is the completion oh. tier? Because in the previous one, it was tier eight and it got to that in about two days. And then Frontier then added an extra three tiers. I think it was finished at tier 11, I think is, is what the last one finished at. It's so exactly it's- the same. So is the completion tier tier 11 or is it the usual tier 8? No, they've done it for tier 11 again. And now if you think about it, we are now um, 20,000 light years further into the bowels of the galaxy than we were last time. And um, I'm quite shocked that we even got as close as we have. Uh, And to be honest, as I say, um, we are going to make it. But the fact that it looks like we aren't going to make it is only because of a bug. So I'm ridiculously impressed that... um, that we're making tier 11, uh, at least in theory. So have Frontier said anything about giving an extra day or compensating for the bug in some way? Because, I mean, I, I was one of them. I was intentionally... No. I, I, I was irritated by the bug. Uh, that meant I couldn't sign up until Saturday morning, I think it was. So I lost two days of trying to get in. Um, they can't give an extra day because it's done on the, on the weekly tick, isn't it? So it'll be exactly. an extra week or nothing, probably. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Bugs happen. Um, But it doesn't matter because we are already past tier one, which was the only tier that had any rewards anyway. So we've made it. We have made it. All right. So it starts for the sake of our honor and our pride. (laughs) All right. So just talking about the rewards then, because so tier one, when we hit tier one, the 
the station or megaship, whatever it is we're getting, that would then get all the available services there or is it you hit tier one i don't know you just be able to dock tier two you can repair and refuel tier three you get universal cartographics and so on is that how it works or is it just a you tier one you get everything so uh, actually i don't personally know because i didn't ask i could have asked but i didn't actually ask what what's going to be added to the station and increased to it as a result of completing the CG itself, uh, the station itself. Um, I, I'm not sure anything's going to change with the station. Perhaps we'll see a few more services added. Uh, it's nothing written in the CG text, but what we were doing with this uh, CG is not just a roleplay thing, which is, you know, actually constructing the station, but the practical difference is the mega ship and the installation. So tier one was all that was required to guarantee that they will be inserted into the game at the end. Well, actually, it's going to take a couple of weeks after the CG is finished, but we're getting a mega ship in an installation now. Right. So congratulations, where, everyone. Where this isn't Explorers Anchorage, then this is somewhere else, is it? Or it's in this? I think it's yeah, it's in the same system as far as I know. Right. I have to double check that. So we're, we've got Explorers Anchorage. We're going to get a mega ship and another station all in, in an installation. Of... It's like a, a relay oh. type. Type model, non-dockable, but it's okay, got a role like, play like purpose. the bar at Lave or yeah. uh, a, a farm. A farm would actually make a lot of sense because I don't. Yeah, you know, one of these farming stations. No, it's, it's going to be it's going to be the thing that is what is studying the supermassive black hole. Oh, okay, like so some kind of scientific. Okay, I was just thinking, how are we going to be doing our? How are we getting our food out at this station? Where's all that coming from? Point. We've got an Earth-like world right below Sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking real life here as opposed to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the cunning things like actually being able to feed how many people are living at the station now. We've got an ELW right below us um, in a very tight orbit. So I'm sure that yeah. there's been initiatives uh, to send down farmers and whatnot. Are we allowed to... Wall, specifically. <laughs> are, we, are we allowed to... Well, not, not quite terraform it, but infect it with Terran life... Terran food stocks and things. You want to open a Starbucks and a McDonald's, don't you? That's what you really want to do. I'm actually, what I'm actually thinking of is the Expanse and Iron Bob and things like that. And sure, it might very well be an Earth-like world, but just because it's an Earth-like world does not mean to say it's compatible with stuff that is good for humans to eat. Well, it is a Terran. It's got an indigenous life and it has, let me look at it on the galaxy map. It's got the usual blurb about how... Mm -hmm a good place to live and all that so yeah yeah that's i don't know if i don't know if terra if earth-like worlds are you know compatible with human dna or are we just like uh i really miss those descriptions in, in elite 1984 yeah. you see this planet is inhabited by furry edible cats or something like that <laughs> it, it would it, it would have it would, it would have a little bit of flavor text that was that was procedurally generated and it would be great listening mm. reading what the uh what the planet like the the planet dc was infested with students or something like that it would have you know it would yeah it I, I do miss, I, I miss all that proc gen stuff but no I'm, I'm basically i'm just thinking i'm thinking science here and sure it's earth-like but doesn't mean to say we well, can actually let, live there without Work. Let me tell you two concerns that come to mind. One is that there are two basic uh, chemicals that are required for life as we know it on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. um, they are um, proteins, as in amino acids. Yep. And then there's sugars, and they both are chiral type. They they chiral um, chemicals, chi chiral molecules, which means they have a left-handedness and a right-handedness. Yeah. And um, 
our bodies use left-handed amino acids and I think it's also left-handed sugars, but I have to check that. And every single one that appears on planet Earth is one is left-handed and there's no such thing as right-handed ones. You don't find them in nature, but they can be produced in the supernovas and other the, the GMCs in space. So it could be that this planet got rid of all its left-handed ones and it has only right-handed ones and if we were to try and eat anything our bodies would just not be able to cope so there was, there, was, there was a short story about that i read years ago i think it was an arthur c clark story a guy they were messing yeah. around with teleports and he got he got teleported from one end to the other and everyone thought yeah yeah he did it but he was slowly starving to death mm-hmm. uh, and then they realized his metabolism had changed so he could only actually eat right-handed sugars and amino acids you couldn't eat the left-handed ones that's fascinating i love that yeah that is a, yeah. that's that's amazing we're doing um off topic we're doing an article on the origins of life in sagai in the next couple of months pluggity um, buck plug yeah do you fancy writing it james <laughs> i could contribute because i have actually just done a whole lot of research on it like literally this weekend so it's all fresh in my mind it will be Strat- gone within a few days so it depends when um, thing was coffee. Actually. I was thinking you were going to say alcohol. <laughs> Just quickly, I, uh, Karen says in the chat that there are four gold and platinum tickets left for LaveCon. Have we even covered the the release of tickets today? Well, it's a it's, bit late now. There's only four left. <laughs> they they reopen the doors at four at eight o'clock, and now there is you know as you say now there's only four left. So listen, go get four, four tickets. Gold and platinum tickets are. <laughs> Uh, they're going like hotcakes, so head over to um, laveradio.com and pick them up. Right, so uh, yeah, Distant Worlds. Have we have we introduced James and what he does and all that sort of thing? Uh, not so, yeah, James, introduce yourself. What do you do, do for for Distant Worlds? Well, I am one of the two major organisers of the Aramis, and, and I... it was the two of you that planned Distant Worlds one, wasn't it? Yeah, it started with us. And we did the bulk of the work. And this time around, we didn't do the bulk of the work, but we, we kind of like were the two project managers. Then again, Aramis is doing more than just projecting. He's designing the... Um, it's hard to say. There's so much that we do. But, yeah. Aramis designing the what, sorry? Design, he, he's doing the route. He's oh, the route. The, okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I'm, I'm doing the newsletter. Um, I'm organizing the organizers, working with Frontier, dealing with PR, planning loads of things to do with it. This is endless, really, but that's who yeah. I am. I'm also a YouTuber, an explorer, and just a general gamer. So I, I wondered how big the organization team is for Distant Worlds now. Because I, I know that when you guys did it the first time, it was pretty much just you and Aramis, and, and then everybody swelled oh. once you'd announced it. But um, It's but... not really true. Um, Distant Worlds 1 was about a dozen people organizing oh, okay. it. Distant Worlds 2, I think, was like 35 when we started, and we've added like a you know five or ten more people since then. Yeah. So... Yeah, and um, yeah, big operation. It's a much bigger operation, so there's a, it needs a lot more people, and it's it's much more than just me and Aramis now. Like, more people are very prominent. You know, there's a lot more falling on other people that would have fallen on us last time. Yeah, and I'm very happy about that. So, when did you start planning it? Because one of the things I'm I'm amazed at is when you publish the waypoints. Not only is the route there with the waypoint, but you've got and actually you've referenced the points of interest and the, oh, by the way, this is quite neat things on the way. So it's not just planning the route from A to B to C to D. It's all the bits in between the waypoint for things to do. So I'm in awe of how much 
effort that took to do all that. So when did you start? You know what's funny? You're talking about how it's a big effort. All of that is single-handedly Eremus. That being said, well, there was a scouting event in the summer of 2018, or 3304, and um, loads of places were submitted, but Aramis went and checked them out and selected them and made sure that there was things in between and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, he's the one that did all that almost single-handedly wow. in combination that. with that competition. So that he, did that, yeah. he did that post the Beyond patch, because obviously, the, or did he do that <laughs> the Beyond patch? And... If, if you knew who Aramis was, like you'd be in awe. He's he's been to Beagle Point and back probably like twenty times, um, <laughs> and he's done the route like three times uh, this time around, or four or five. I don't know. He did it in the beta. He did it in the live game. He did it before three point three. He did it again after three point three, just to make sure everything still looked okay. Uh, he did it with more than one character. Um, he's doing. He's taking two or three characters along this time. He's a <laughs> madman. He's he's that's mad. Absolute. He's scary. He's scary. I thought um, I was under the impression that the, yeah. all the points of interest were submitted by the community. I had no idea that he's gone and checked them all. That's crazy. Yeah, he has. And he goes and double checks them. And he's made a couple of adjustments. He's made three or four adjustments since we started. Um, just now he said, hey, do you want to do some mining on Saturday? Um, I said, yeah, sure. And then I log in on Saturday. I'm like, hey, do you want to do some mining? Because I actually am on my way to check out a, a waypoint because I, I think I want to change it. And I look and, and he's like seven and a half thousand light years away. <laughs> and now he's back. You know, it's like, what? what, what, what? <laughs> I, jo- I join him on multi-crew from time to time. Um, I can tell you waypoint eight is going to be stunning. Can't wait for it. it. Has he got an improbability driver or something? He's a dev. I've been, I've been maintaining no. for about three years that Eremus is actually Michael Brooks. <laughs> uh, Michael just... Brooks doesn't speak with a thick Yorkshire accent, so probably not. <laughs> but I think um, that is the standard rumor. Yeah. And um, uh, have you been, uh, between the two distant world expeditions, were you, um, were you quite active in the game or did you take a bit of time out? I was active after Distant Worlds 1 for a few months, maybe six months or so. Um, and then, let's see, I, can't, I think I stopped playing... January, like, yeah, no, about a year after Distant Worlds started, that's when I kind of fizzled out of the game for a couple of years. Yeah. And I I played, like, here and there, you know, for a few days. Basically started again in the week, basically when 3.3 came out, because 3.3 really excited me. Um, what, because of the exploration overhaul? Yes, yeah. because of the changes and everything. It sounded so exciting, and it still is, and obviously Distant Worlds has got me back into it. Yeah, but you must have, you must have even if you weren't playing, you must have been heavily involved in planning Distant Worlds because you guys were planning it from um, <laughs> late 3303, I think. So we announced it in late 3303. Was that October 2017, I guess? Yeah, I think so. It was, it was um, just after the Frontier Expo, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. when the Beyond um, roadmap was announced. And basically, Aramis has been bugging me to announce a new Distant Worlds, you know, for years. Like, And I kept saying, no, we need the game to change in some significant way to make it worthwhile doing it all again. Yeah. Because Distant Worlds 1 really was... I mean, the theme, the, the, the main... If you could summarize Distant Worlds in one word or like, you know, a few words, one of them would definitely be groundbreaking. And so we couldn't just go again and do yeah. another expedition and there was nothing like there was just there was loads of updates but nothing really to affect exploring no and then the roadmap came out i can't remember exactly what was in it but firstly the there was like geology geometry changes to the planets that sounded good um the ice worlds the carriers um they said there'd be some exploration changes but they didn't say what and i was like he's like come on we have to do it now i was like okay fine um let's announce it for the end of 
um, the uh, chapter. The you Beyond, initially announced yeah, the it for the end of 3304, which is 2018. We, we announced it for the end of um, Beyond, and we said it'll either be end of 3304, beginning of 3305, which is what it turned out to be. Yeah. And then we almost cancelled it when uh, Frontage, you remember when uh, that post came out from Ed Lewis saying, oh, by the way, uh, sorry, but all the things that Distant Worlds was going to be based on is now cancelled. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we were like, yeah. No, but no, 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 no. Vax um, post in August last year. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Gosh. And then, yeah. then we basically spoke to Frontier and changed our mind. And then 3.3 came out, which is, you know, basically why we changed our mind. And because, uh, yeah, when, when I was actually told what is actually coming instead, which was the codex and all the new points of interest to find in the galaxy and the new scanning tools, that was like, yeah, that, that's even better. So uh, yeah. since I heard that, I've just been nothing but excited and I still am. I just, I'm, in, I'm reveling it. I haven't found anything significant yet, but it's the fact that it's there and it could be found at any moment. Yeah, I know what you mean. And the anomalies are so, um, there's so much to them. I thought they were, when they first appeared, I was, I, I thought they were just points of interest, but I love the way that there's ways to interact with them, which are not clearly signposted. Yeah, they're really deep. They're really clever. They're really beautiful. Well done. Got nice variation. Um, but still nothing really huge has been found yet. So I'm, I'm excited to see if there's it, if there really is anything huge. Mm, yeah, there's like civilizations the, um... out there. Yeah, a couple of questions just on basic what you sort of thought about. One of the questions I had, I've had in my mind ever since they were announced, were what are carriers actually going to be used for? And along with that, it's we were told with carriers you'd have to fill them up with I don't know grindonium or something as I call it mm-hmm. uh, to get them to jump. So I can understand having a portable docking base for distant worlds would be useful but then having to fill it up each jump i could see that getting you know you get fewer and fewer people filling it up until eventually it would get stuck somewhere and you could never get it back is as i was that what you had in mind for carriers you know just being able to like a portable base and what do you think about the potential keep filling it up right so I, i'm not the person to answer that question because i one thing that i didn't get a chance to answer yet was um we were still talking about it. When we announced Distant Worlds, I, I basically said, let's not start planning it yet because it's a year and a half away. Um, and I mean, that that was a silly thing to say because it was inevitable. Um, they got together, Eremus and you know our team got, got put together quite quickly and they started like thinking about it and planning it pretty much from day one. And they were really thinking about the carrier back then. And I stayed away because I didn't, I didn't, I, I just thought it's better to wait. Um, I, you know, I wasn't against them planning per se, but, uh, and I'm kind of glad they did because they, they opened the roster in February, which meant that we had, you know, 13,000 people signed up by the time we set off. So that was a really good thing. Um, and they generated a lot of hype and a lot of ideas that really did make it almost all the way through most of them anyway. Um, but I wasn't really thinking about it too much until after carriers were canceled. Um, uh, at that point, I joined and I was I was thinking about it in terms of you know the 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 other changes the codex and the scanning tools. Yeah, because so, the other yeah. Sorry, the other the other thing I I believe was a bit of a point of contention at the time of distant world planning was the fact that people could only join one squadron at a time because when when I saw mm-hmm. the you know, squadrons coming out I thought, oh great I'll be able to mount my own squadron maybe join another and then I'll join the distant worlds squadron so I could kind of take part in distant worlds too but still keep track of my my friends in game um mm-hmm. so i'm just wondering did that affect the planning at all or was that po- is that pre your time no that was my time um yeah so 
squadrons we were we at that time we didn't know how many people could join a squadron and all I, you know i think we did but it was always going to be inevitable that squadrons were going to be a part of distant worlds but not an essential part because of that very problem so in the end like we've made squadrons for distant worlds and we're we're, we're providing as much we're trying to get as much out of them as we can but it was never going to be a, you know a key part of distant worlds and it still isn't like you don't have to be in a squadron but the, the good thing is you can join you can uh, join a squadron and leave it later. So a lot of people have done that. I think I think they've joined Fleetcom, they've joined Distant Worlds, and they're probably gonna go and do their own thing when Distant Worlds is over. So that's perfectly fine. Yeah. How do you feel about the fact that Ice Worlds and carriers have been pushed back indefinitely? I I admit I was a bit disappointed, not about the carriers per se, but about the Ice Worlds and the the kind of the work to be done on planets. Um, I I I kind of wanted to. I was like really considering delaying distant worlds just to see. I was really trying to get out of frontier. Like, how long are they going to be delayed? If it's only a few months, then maybe we should. But because we couldn't get anything concrete, we just went ahead. Like, I mean, cancelling it would have been a big bad yeah. thing, a big no-no. Anyway, it would have to be extreme. But I am quite disappointed. I I love Elite in so many ways, and just like everyone else on the planet, I'm very passionate about it. So I feel like it's 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 such a, like a, a great thing that. All the flaws in it are so glaring, as it were. Like they stand out. <laughs> yeah. um, and the planets are incredible. You've got full size planets, you know, quin- like, or oh, not quintillion, let's say a trillion planets. Would it be a trillion? Sorry, I'm just Yeah, probably about a trillion planets, um, half of which you can land on, and they're incredible. But they're PlayStation 3 graphics, they're PlayStation 2 graphics, really, like once you get down there. And I just wish, I just like, I lament, like, it could be just a little bit better, um, but it's not going to happen. So I'm happy. Uh, I am happy, but also just waiting, waiting for the planets to become glorious when, like they should be, and they will be eventually, I'm sure. I am patient, but here we are, distant worlds, and we don't have them. So I'm just making the most, I guess. Well, it, it's, it's a phenomenon. Um, I don't think anybody's bemoaning the lack of anything. Um, yeah. is, is it the largest video game communal event ever? It depends by what metric. Uh, yes, it's the largest communal video game event in terms of the distance we're traveling. Um, it's bigger than distance was one. Players? Concurrent players? I don't know. Um, it's hard to say because some events can have many more players than us, but they're not. It's not as big, and it's not. They don't engage at the same level. Like for example, uh, we did beat it eventually. No, I don't think. You know the um, the Gnosis event. Yeah. The one. The one with, you know, that, that was a controversial event. I think that had something like 17,000 people somehow involved, like, <laughs> trying to dock and all that. But 17,000 really people, that? very angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And no, I, I guess mean, I wouldn't, ca- I wouldn't, I wouldn't include that because kind of, that's kind of developer-driven, I suppose. I, I, guess, mm-hmm. I guess what I meant was, Distant Worlds, I'd compare that more accurately to something like that giant battle that happened a few years ago in EVE. Like, totally planned by players... No mm-hmm. developer, no developer prodding at all. Uh, Distant Worlds has been latterly embraced by Frontier, but it's certainly not been driven by them. It's very much yeah. your idea that they've that they've embraced, rather than something that they've set up that players have jumped on board with. So there is a clear distinction between that and the Gnosis. But I can't, uh, and I'm not, I'm not an expert, but I can't think of any other player-driven events that are that are as large. So it's a pretty exciting yeah. thing to be involved. Oh, they've been, they've been. I'm just thinking of. Back in previous games, um, I think in recent memory, this is certainly the biggest I, I know of in terms of its 
it's one continuous event over several months. I mean, if you look at dur the duration of it and the magnitude and size, it's pretty staggering. I mean, I've known of bigger events over a day, you know, over, over a 24-hour period, but to have that number of people engaged for so long, I think it probably must be up there. Yeah. Well, when I said to Aramis, is this really the biggest gaming event in history? I'm going to read you what he wrote back to me. He said, it's got to be the biggest player-created event. If you take into account the number of participants and the game world it's set in and the duration, I really think it is out there on its own. And he says, I know there are some Asian MMOs that have millions of players, but I don't think they're set in a game world as large as a one-to-one -one scale galaxy, nor do they last half a year. So it's, as yeah, I, that's why that's, I said it depends on what metric, but yeah, and, yeah, in some ways... Point. And that's the point, because back in Guild Wars 1, I ran an event that, that, that served 15,000 people over 24 hours. Wow. Um, and it was my guild that kind of arranged and did that. So in terms of numbers, it, it was up there, but it only lasted 24 hours. This is over several months. And to mm. keep that level of interest up over the time period with that number of people is remarkable. Yeah, I'm very proud. I, I'm we, like um, giddy. I don't even know how I was privileged enough. I'm very lucky as well. Lots of people have tried to start events. I didn't really do anything different. We didn't do anything different. Um, but somehow ours really caught on. We were, it was the right time and everything. And I, I feel very It's got the privileged. pedigree as well. Yeah, Distant yeah. Worlds 1 was a real... Um, it was the first one to cross the galaxy that far. And it came at just the right time to yeah. embrace Frontier's new features. So, I mean, they couldn't have asked for, yeah, for Horizons. Yeah, they couldn't have asked for anything, any better way to showcase their big new feature than a, than a large scale player expedition designed to do just that. Um, exactly. Yeah, we 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 did prep some questions on our show notes um, to ask you, um, That's why I'm here. which I'll uh, which I'll start going through. Um, so yeah, we we were curious: is Elite Dangerous the first? Uh, elite game you've played um yep. or sorry yeah go on just one word answer yes it is <laughs> and what I was it um was it the fact that it was was it the one-to-one -one scale galaxy that got you that got you interested in it or was it more that um uh was it that you'd come from another space game a bit like that oh Severin, you know me so well um yes it it, it was exactly that i i've been reading about it in pc gamer and I, I do like space. I love space. So I kept looking at it and going, oh, man, that's one of those games that I wish I had enough time to play because I'm not going to get it because if I got it, I'd just lose myself in it. So I avoided it at all costs. And then I found out it was VR. And then I found out it was one-to-one um, -one scale representation of the galaxy. And then, I was, and then my wife said to me, hey, I just got some dividends from some stocks. Let's buy you a game. I was like, okay. Um, nice. And that's how it all began. <laughs> and um, was that, yeah, it um, turns out that, that it was a big part of my life. Sorry, gone. No, it was it was like in February of, or March, um, three three oh two one three three oh one three three oh one. So that that's was been it, about it, six right after it came out. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's about when I joined. If you do a search on the Frontier forums, you'll see my first ever post saying, <laughs> "Hey guys, hey, anyone want to be my friend?" <laughs> and now still haven't made any friends. <laughs> no, I've got no friends. Everyone is my friend, and you, Suri. I am. <laughs> we are good friends. ED Profiler. Uh, I've been using this and it's mm -hmm. totally brilliant. So thank you very much for making it. So any, any listeners who use VR, seriously, download ED yeah. Profiler made by James. It is flipping brilliant. I, I, I use it too. 
Yeah, and, and you select whether you're going to play it on monitor or VR, and you can save all of your settings for each um, so you don't have to faff about between them. So it's totally brilliant. Um, so thank you on behalf of the community for making that because it was brilliant. And we all, um, most people I know who have VR use it. Thank How you. come you came to make it? Two reasons. One was um, I, well, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm a programmer um, now, but I wasn't then and I wanted to become one. And um, I had just started learning coding. So it just, it was the right time. I thought I'd use it as a project to learn. That's why if you ever do get to like, if you ever decompile it and see the code, you'll see it's a complete mess. Like I look at it and I, <laughs> I just, I have no idea how it all holds together. I really don't, but apparently it does. At least some of the earlier stuff. Um, the other reason is because it was a program I needed. Um, there was another program called EDD something. They're all ED something, aren't they? I can probably look that up. And um, it, it worked until there was a Frontier update and then it stopped working. And we, I was, it did the same thing. It, it had like a VR button and a, uh, a 2D button and less settings than I've got, admittedly, but it had like, you know, things that you could change, yeah. save as profiles, and then you could switch between the two in a single button before starting the game. And then it stopped working and I was annoyed because I really liked using it. And the guy who made it was AWOL. He did come back eventually, but it was too late. I'd already taken over the market. And um, yeah. <laughs> Has yeah. it proved? Yeah. Go on, Sean. Uh, sorry, just touching on the VR side of things. Because one of the things that we've sometimes talked about on the show, and I know I've talked about with other people outside of the show, is if, as and when Spacelix comes in, how well do you think they'll support VR? Because movement in VR is typically either a teleport or, you know, you're, you're stuck in place. Or they, well, they have a teleport <laughs> function, don't they, where you just kind of point, point your thing and you click. Because it's the, it's the sensation of seeing you're moving, but your legs not actually walking. That can cause motion sickness, can't it? And yeah, so some... it's that locomotion thing. And I was wondering, because... Mm -hmm. Sorry, because in other games, I see like a disembodied pair of hands. <laughs> where in Elite, you see almost the full body. And I'm just wondering what your expectations were for VR with Facelix, if and when it comes. Yeah, so most proper VR games, in fact, all of them, uh, have a normal motion. Because there are plenty of people that can handle it. Um, it's something that you can overcome the motion sickness. And so, like, for example, Fallout 4, Skyrim, um, just rattling off the top of my head, those are the two that come to my head now. They both have full locomotion as well as, I call it like grenade motion, you know, where you point and click where you want to travel to with a little yeah. grenade animation of where you're going to land. Um, I assume that Frontier will probably do the same. They'll probably have both. And they will probably get rid of the body at that point. But then again, I've seen a couple of VR games that keep the body in. Uh, how would it be? Um, yes, that's it. L.A. Noir keeps the body in and it works really well. Your head is always, you look down, you always see your body and your hands that move around with the controllers. So well, that also works. So it's up to them, really. Well, it'd make a bit, a bit of a bummer, wouldn't it, buying these new flight suits if you couldn't actually see them in VR? Yeah. Um, I hope they'll copy the LA Noir model because that worked really well. You could stand in front of a mirror and just dance around it was, and you've got a different face and it's creepy and weird and awesome. <laughs> I think also that you can help the locomotion thing with um, if there's a fixed asset doesn't move around so like like on the hud for example if there's a fixed asset in the foreground that that's like the hud of a uh, of, of the ship or the cockpit, uh, yeah. your helmet or, or yeah part of the cockpit that can help ground your brain and means that you get less nauseous so presumably mm -hmm. if we if, if you did have space legs th there might be some kind of mechanism for having 
part of your helmet visible in the lower half of your screen just to just to ground you a bit. Do you think Frontier will bother with it, seeing as it's comparatively a niche market and the cost of development is likely to be quite high? I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate here because I, I do have been a couple of comments in the forum and uh, things where David Braben has sort of like almost quietly forgot about pushing VR release in future updates and it's kind of slipped off the radar so i'm just we all hope it's in i'm just wondering if the complexity and costs of putting it in might be too great so they might just drop it i've seen david say several times that uh, elite will always support vr whether how much effort they put into it is another question and like, like vr works but there's always outstanding but then again every aspect of the game has things that people are waiting for constantly um and complaining that have never you know haven't appeared yet and same with vr but um i i feel fairly optimistic that it will it will always be a vr game no matter what changes they make yeah he's he said in the past that that elite is built to support things that don't even exist yet and (laughs) uh, and that it'll always be um and that vr was part of the vision from the beginning yeah but that's Um, in the cockpit not walking around no but walking around was part of the vision from the beginning you can't have one without the other right you know the, the vision. The, the vision from the beginning was was uh, a, a fully like that. They think of it as the as like the world's main, like biggest dedicated AAA VR game, and mm-hmm. um, and that was the vision from the beginning. As was walking around starports, stowing away in each other's ships, and that kind of thing. So I, I, I'm with I'm with James. I reckon it's I reckon it will always be supported as long as I, 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 I hope it will. I really hope it will. I, I'm, I just kind of got that niggling thing as it'll be one of those coming soon or on the list. <laughs> I can tell you right now that when the game's got to the point where they've got procedural life on Earth-like worlds and space legs, I will officially check out of reality. I will be fed through a tube with a, you know, like a, a, a catheter in, and you know, I will just sit in my chair or walk around my room, whatever, um, and live in VR. Yeah, I just too. can't wait. It's my dream. Maybe Absolutely. maybe without the graphic catheter imagery, but I will definitely. <laughs> as well like plug, plug, plug me in the real world is so boring compared to that I know. <laughs> I know. well one thing we've got to hopefully look forward to is with the next big updates in 2020 is that both the ps4 well the playstation and the xbox are meant to be focusing a lot on vr with the next generation of consoles and i can't think of a better title to highlight that yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. VR probably will Fingers take crossed. off. It probably will take off. We're nearly there. Um, once 2080 Ti right now is a thousand pounds, but mm-hmm. in one or two more generations, the level of power that the 2080 Ti generates um, is going to be affordable. And when the 2080 Ti is affordable, I'm pretty sure 2080 Ti is enough to support VR that everyone will be satisfied with. It's not going to be like 8K HMDs or anything where you can't even see the pixels, but it's it's gonna it, I mean, for example the 2080 Ti can support the Vive Pro at two times resol- resolution upscaling. Wow! So that means if and the the Vive Pro is approximately a two two 2K screens. So yeah. when 4K screens come out, that's going to be pretty much it's going to be double the Vive Pro, and the Vive Pro is already in my opinion just about good enough. Like you just about can see all the details you're supposed to see in the game. What do um, you use? I use the Vive Pro. Yeah, fair enough. And you used um, to have an Oculus, didn't you? Yeah, I've been through the DK2 Oculus. I had a Vive and now I've got a Vive Pro. I always sell them somehow and find the money. Don't ask me how. 
go without eating for a month and <laughs> it's just so important it's like really important to me so i figured it out somehow. having a very understanding partner i think probably oh, i told her before we got married that the one thing that she has to know marrying me is that i spend like at least one or two thousand pounds on my computer every one or two years so and she was like okay fine and now she, it's too late she can't back out <laughs> That's quite a good disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had I some. We had some distant worlds related events. Uh, sorry, questions before we um, uh, before we veer off because we we could talk about VR all night, but um, we mm-hmm. did scribble some stuff that I think people are going to want to know. Um, how did uh, how did the organisation team handle um, the the lockdown situation at Explorers Anchorage in the run up to the CG? we did everything we could like for example i did speak to frontier about it um and did they leave in? pardon they, did they, they didn't in? well firstly they fixed it so that we could do something about it they were a bit reassuring as well about it saying you know that it's unlikely because you know they they obviously they um they, they've got experience and you know they, they they know that it's unlikely that lockdown can happen yeah. But it's obviously they, they said it's definitely possible. So because of that, we, you know, told everyone that a bit of bounty hunting couldn't hurt. And there's been lots of bounty hunting since. And it was the organizer that spotted it, that brought it to my attention, that decided how to announce, what to say, gave people help. So that's how we dealt with it. See, if I was a griefer, I thought about this when it was about to go on. If I was a griefer, then I would have done everything I could, I could have done. I'd have got my griefer friends to commit as much murder in that system as possible. Because the, what that would have done, that would have put the system in lockdown and you'd get a whole load of explorers who'd equip their ships for mining, but then couldn't change back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably what they tried, but they didn't succeed. And they're not going to, so. Are you, um, have the distant ganks lot fallen off now? Or are you still having, uh, are people still being nibbled at in open? I'm not really, I don't really know. Like, as far as I know, everything's going fine. Yeah, I'm not just saying that. Right. I'm not just saying that, you know, to to give a false impression. I, I genuinely, one person two days ago messaged me saying, "Oh, I've been killed. What should I do?" And I told them what to do. And like, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, open is its own thing. Was we're that... not officially supporting it. Um, we're telling, we're encouraging people to play in FleetCon. So yeah. as far as I can tell, you'll have to ask people to play in open. They 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 haven't told me. It, it's it's not a big thing. So I, it hasn't come to my radar, as it were. No. Yeah, most, of the, most of the propaganda I've heard about it has been from the op, op force, shall we say, saying we've gone off and killed 5,000 players. Yeah, I haven't seen 5,000 players saying I've been ganked. <laughs> I haven't no. seen any distant gank streams recently. They were on all the time when you mm. were sort of halfway to, I think it was waypoint three, I think they, they stopped. Well, while, they, while, the, while the expedition was hitting up stations fairly regularly it was probably not that hard to keep up if you were in a full combat ship mm-hmm. probably got a lot less appealing after they left colonia yeah they're probably still trying to jump if they're taking fertile answers along <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have to um, say i i do respect the people that deliberately play in open because they find that that cat and mouse fun i'm kind of like oh, that God, myself yeah. but because i've got more of responsibilities i can't actually I sh- you know i should try and avoid that risk but um i am the kind of person that only plays in open in when I'm when I'm not on distant worlds and no, I I know exactly where you're coming from. I'm I'm pretty much I I prefer playing in open and when I'm just doing my own thing, shall we say, 
Mm-hmm. I'll go off and do that. But if I'm, you know, like at the moment, or if I'm doing a stream, actually, a lot of us, a lot of the streams in the bubble where it's like, okay, if I die, I die. Um, but obviously, at the moment, I don't really, really want to die. I'm not really carrying anything too bad at the moment, I suppose. Um, I'm just mm-hmm. I'm used to that warm, warm feeling of being in Fleetcom now. Um, but yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you, though, and the 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 slight butt clenching when somebody <laughs> comes alongside and you don't know what their intentions are. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 I find it fun. Like I come into a, a system and I see a player in uh, in Super Cruise. And I target him and then he turns and points at me and I know he's looking at me and then I get ahead of him. So I think maybe he's going to interdict me. So then I drop out and then I come back and he's still there. So I deliberately go part. I like, you know, do a loop of shame on purpose so that when I'm coming in slowly to dock, you know, he's in front of me. Yeah. I do all these things. I like it's strategic. It's, it gives Such you a bit of adrenaline rush, it's, doesn't it? It's maintaining <laughs> situational awareness and things as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like thinking, know. like, if I do get interdicted, what am I going to do? And it's happened before. You know, I've escaped from, from interdictions in the past. Not on distant worlds, yeah. but it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's not a loop of shame and open, is it, when you go past? It's a uh, evasion manoeuvre. Honestly. <laughs> 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 Fair enough. Playing in, um, yeah, I, I made the switch to open about two years ago. And playing in uh, private group or solo feels very lonely now. Very, very lonely. Um, there's not in Fleet Comet, does not no, I guess yeah, that's true. Well, I, I'm I'm st- I'm not on. I'm still in the bubble, so um, everywhere feels pretty lonely. <laughs> oh, <laughs> actually, um, is so. Can I just ask while we're talking about the bubble quickly? So, what's your take on? You know, we've got seventeen thousand odd people out on Distant Worlds two, yet the bubble is kind of burning. Yeah, you know, being being a slight. Swap, uh, oh yeah, it's after nine o'clock. I can say it's being a slight bitch. Isn't it irresponsible of you taking most of the active player base out of the bubble when Frontier are basically killing everybody in the bubble? I don't see how it's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, it's not necessarily it's Frontier's fault, is it? Because you know, it's not. I, I don't think there's a concerted effort from the game. Right, half of, half the player base is distant worlds. Let's get them. No, of I'm, course it's not. Of course it's. <laughs> not. I'm sure there's nothing like that. <laughs> no, um, but it is. It it is um, undeniable that the uh, the goalposts keep narrowing. Um, the targets to um, the targets to clear systems of Thargoid scouts and void incursions are increasing to the point where. Where tens and tens of of dedicated, well-equipped players can't can't affect any change at all. I think last week they failed to failed to protect any system from incursion at all. So it's a, it's a case of the, the Thargoids are just taking six new systems every every week. So I guess th- this is um, this hasn't occurred to me before. But um, what's your view on the Thargoids generally, James? Like, have you ever have have you been to see them? Have you fought one? Are you interested in them? Um, no, I, I am interested in them, but I, talking out of character now, I'm not that into scripted stuff. I'm just not. I love the procedural aspect of Elite. That's what draws me to it. So I avoided 99.9% of all scripted stuff, not like, not, not as a boycott, just because I just didn't enjoy it. So it's the same yeah. thing about... For um, the sandbox. Thargoids. I find them yeah. fascinating and... But I'm just not going to get involved with it. I'm, I'm I'm not involved with BGS much, you know, all that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, 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 makes sense. But um, I am of the opinion that I think the reason why the Thargoids are doing what they're doing right now is because we didn't make any concerted efforts to um, well, avoid shooting them, basically. I think, I think we started this <laughs> war. Uh, I think like, it probably could have gone two ways, um, scripted-wise. And I think because everyone was just like, yeah, let's go and shoot some Thargoids, that's why it turned into a war. Because we do shape the galaxy. So, yeah, my again, I, that's why I don't think it's my problem. I'm not... I'm not the one blowing up the bubble. So. The thing about the Thargoids, though, is it's very difficult to code meaningful interactions between them. It's much easier to make them hostile and, shoot and blow you up because yeah. you can balance that. But to get that depth of interaction that I think people who wanted a peaceful contact wanted mm-hmm. would have been very difficult. I mean, you can, yeah, sure, you can, you know, you, you can feed them refugees from space stations and things <laughs> like that. <laughs> But, but, you know, that's kind of the limited extent that we have with Thargoids at the moment. You drop things and see if they eat them or whether they spit them out or attack you. I think people wanted a more meaningful interaction than that. Mm-hmm. There might, have been, you know, we'll there, be there might have been more meaningful interactions. I mean, the, 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 the anomalies in space, well, there are ways to interact with those that we don't know yet. Dear have said a, a few times that we haven't, we haven't unlocked all the... True, but I think we would have discovered all the Thargoids can do by now by the amount of experimenting people like Canon and stuff have done with them yeah fair um look we've only got we've only got James for another 10 or 15 minutes and we've had a few questions from um from listeners can I um can I rapid fire them at you James yep can't guarantee I can answer everything but I don't know (laughs) so Sentinel Prime asked um what aspect of organizing distant worlds have you found the most difficult which is a great question um hi sentinel prime um probably answering this question <laughs> doesn't sound like you've done any, any organizing at all it sounds like you just swanned up right at the end <laughs> uh, <laughs> um what aspects have i i mean i've enjoyed every i've enjoyed the entire thing so it's hard to say what i didn't enjoy um or what i found difficult uh, nothing. I found nothing difficult. I found everything really enjoyable and pleasurable. And um, I guess, I guess the most difficult thing is this time around. I've had a little bit less time, but a lot more to do. So that's why it's it's worked a lot better as well with having loads of people. But me getting into the game and interacting with the fleet has been about half of what it was last time, and that's always weighing on my mind. Like I'm always wishing I could have my like long Saturday nights where I play from six until two in the morning, which I have had a few times, by the way. And I do try and get on at least once every weekend for a few hours. But I guess just being with the fleet and meeting people and starting games, it's just happened a little bit less. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, And um, whoever asks, um, would you, another great question, actually, would you consider a, uh, he's called it a 1% expedition after Distant Worlds 2, which would focus on hardcore exploration to increase the number of explored systems in the galaxy from 0.036% to 1% of the total. Would I consider it? Hi, whoever. Um, doesn't sound like the type of thing that I would do. Sounds boring. It doesn't sound boring. You know <laughs> what? When, I, when we did Distant Stars, one of the goals was to try and chart the entire cluster. So I have done something similar to that in the past, but... From what I remember, it didn't go very well. Like, we, it, it wasn't, there's not enough explorers that love doing that kind of um, 
as he as he put it, hardcore hardcore exploration like you, you know. You'd have to be super numbers. methodical, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, Crow and Leth had the had the border la- uh, lands or border worlds or whatever it was um, project to map an entire sector on the far um, on the what was it the north northwest of the galaxy, looking at it mm-hmm. from above. It- yeah, and I don't. I don't think they finished, but that was that was kind of similar. It was like a, a mass. Let's map everything in a huge area. Sort of thing. It will be interesting to see how much that figure goes up at the end of DW two. You know, when everyone's back and cashed in. Yeah, but it's already gone up quite a lot, hasn't it? We don't know how much goes down to distant. The point oh three six was frontier, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, the 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 figure. Um, uh, I, I can't remember what the figures were, and I can't remember where they came from. But last in last week's show, I think somebody um, popped up saying that they'd released a new figure, and it was something like point Will and Sally went up. Oh yeah, yeah, it might have been them. Yeah, um, and mm-hmm. um, and the the increase could only have been distant worlds. Like you know, we were we were the player base was averaging X over the last two years in terms of new systems discovered per month, and then in the last two months, it's gone up. By X times three, for example. Um, yeah, so well, I can't what the, the numbers are, but we had the new exploration mechanics, though, which you know, did a gold rush, so to speak, for mm-hmm. getting the first map. So it would just be interesting to see how much Distant Worlds two goes well, up. I think we will. I have a strong feeling that Frontier are going to um, like release some stats about Distant Worlds when it's all over. Like this is how many people took part, and this is how many people were at Sajay, and this is how many people made it to Beagle Point, and this is how many systems were charted and how much money was made and i that's think we're going to get all that yeah, i hope so because that that's yeah. something will and um sally were in favor of last week when we spoke mm. to them wasn't it putting these yeah, graphics said that, up that and stuff like that yeah they said they're yeah. going to try and start doing more of that yeah so i mean to answer her question i'm just not that kind of explorer i'm not methodical I, i'm spontaneous sudden mystery expedition the distant stars expedition like if something's really cool let's go there not um not like methodical i'm not a methodical explorer yeah fair enough so whoever you'll have to organize that one yourself um are there oh that looks like the um i don't think there's any more from viewers if any if any listeners um want to ask james anything then do type in now because he's only got a couple minutes um i'm i'm curious what do you think of the full spectrum scanner um i love it um, but I'm also, I can see the downside now. Sometimes you just don't want to have to go through that whole mini game. Yeah. Um, sometimes, just like sometimes you just get sick of it and you just want an easy option. But just because you want it doesn't mean it's a good thing. So I, I, I really like it. I, I think the game should have always been like that. One of the, when I first heard about it, I actually, I didn't cry, but I was like the kind I said, I said, like, if I could cry, this is the kind of thing I'd cry about. Like, I felt emotional because it would have been so perfect from the beginning when I still had that, that wanderlust, you know, that what, what's out there. And I had no idea what there was to find. Every time you find a new planet type, that would be just like for new new players, it's, it's amazing. But now that I know what all the planet types are beginning to end, um, there's nothing for me to to discover through it like the only thing i really look for is nsps now and um nsp uh notable stellar phenomenons which are right, yeah. the alien yeah. locations and things like that so i love it i love it but 
you know, like any, like a sibling, you know, I also, <laughs> yeah, I mean, unconditional it, love. I've kind of gotten used to it, but the control method still bugs me. I, I really wish the mouse acted more like a mouse than a controller, if you see what I mean. Because um, at the moment, I control it using um, the arrow keys up and down. Yeah. I mean, if I, or if I could control it like the galactic map, it would be it would be really good. The other thing, yeah, is yeah. the other thing I wish is they put little things like a temperature gauge on it, or a, a little radar to let you know when things are close. Because... The temperature gauge would probably turn up, I reckon, because it keeps. What do you mean? Fast. What do you mean by that? Well, if you are, if you stop and you're scooping a star, and you then go into the FFS scanner, then you actually can't see if you're cooking your ship or not when you're in the scanner. It's only when it drags you out and, and says everything's on fire that you, you're aware yeah. of it. Oh, I see. So, yeah, okay, fine. Temperature gauge specifically for stars, right? When you're close to a star, well, I, I misheard you. Well, also, also the, the radar as well, I think. Having a bit of, being able to have situational awareness around you while you're in the scanner, I think, would be very yeah, useful. Yeah, that would be helpful. Yeah. Also, is, can't you, isn't that an, a reason to go off and do multi crew stuff? Because then you can be the pilot keeping an eye on the scanner, and I believe your crewman can go and use the FFS scanner. Can they? Is that confirmed? Yes. Oh, I'm yeah. pretty no, sure they can someone do that. Comes into your ship. Cool. Yeah, but Ben, they how can, are they going to talk to you? If you're in the they FFS can FSS screen? for you, and they can do it while your um, uh, uh, frameshift drive is charging. So uh, they can't do it while you're moving. You still have to be still. Yeah, but uh, the problem is they don't get any of the rewards for it. So literally, they're just doing you a favor. That's the only yeah, problem. Yeah. But if you're in the FFS screen, how are they going to tell you? Ben, watch out! There's a commander behind you with the hard points out. They're not. I'm going to be <laughs> sitting there on. I'm going to be sitting there on looking at the scanner, maintaining situational awareness. You'll be looking at the FFS scanner and going off and mapping everything for me. That's only a problem um, if you've only got one friend. But if you've got at least two friends... It's a problem for you then, James. Aww. <laughs> 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 no, it's true. And Aramis doesn't know anything about combat, so I'm screwed either way. <laughs> what do you fly? I'm flying a python. Python, right. Okay, so you've got one chair. Yes, and it's a side-by-side -side chair. I deliberately chose it so my wife could join me um, in a nice atmospheric that? cockpit. It's really nice, side-by-side. -side. Yeah, That's an interesting choice. So that's an interesting choice for an exploration chair. Um, not saying it's a bad one, it's just an interesting choice. Um, oh, it's an amazing choice. Uh, I've got a full mining build permanently, and I've got 64 um, cargo slots, and I've got uh, four SRVs, and I've still got 49 and a half light years. So it's just incredible. And it's, it feels like a mobile planetarium because, I mean, 3.3 lighting has changed it slightly. You have to turn the gamma down, but you've got a pitch black cockpit. Which means when you turn off the HUD using Control Alt G, you're just you, looking. It's you and the stars, and there's nothing to distract you, like mobile planetariums. You Beautiful. weren't you weren't tempted by a crate or a crate phantom. Tempted, yes, but it's too bright. I can't sit in a bright cockpit when you're in space. It's like your eyes. You need your eyes to adjust. And and not only that, the crate has a big light shining in your face right in front yeah, of you. Yeah, it does. In the yeah. It's, I don't know what. <laughs> It's got a reading light above your head, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre. It doesn't make any sense.
Um, Mindwipe in the chat says, question for James, after DW2, how do you top it? What's next for you <laughs> and the crew? Which is a pretty um, good question. Topping it is going to be years down the line. We're going to wait for something big to change. Probably whatever's coming in 2020, the, the big mystery. That might be reason to go on Distant Wars 3, but we can't know until then. Um, I hope it's another galaxy or or maybe space legs, and that would definitely be a way to top Distant Worlds. Um, I'm also probably going to be working a bit more on my YouTube channel after Distant Worlds. Well, actually, probably during. I've got a nice video coming out soon. Uh, and that's just me personally. Pardon? An elite video. No, it's my um, documentary series on space. In oh, general. cool. Oh, I like those. Um, well, this, is, uh, this isn't just about um, Dr. Kai in Distant Worlds. This is for you. Feel free to plug whatever you want. Um, and uh, yeah, so listeners, his, <laughs> um, his space series is actually really excellent. Oh, thank you. I haven't, I've released one video from it in about two years, but I'm planning on bringing it back. I've got all, these, all this inspiration now. So. And I've got more time because I've just changed my job. And yeah, life is good. Lovely thank stuff. you for letting me plug that. That's okay. Well, I, I'm aware that you are that you are a busy man and have lots of things to do. And, um, probably need to slope off. Um, so, um, is there anything else you'd like to to tell us and the listeners? No, um, I just would like the listeners to know that the CG is in jeopardy. If we want to reach tier 11, then we're going to have to really make um, a concerted effort. Maybe people don't know that, and once they hear it, they're going to double down. So that's why I'm saying it. Um, we can make it, but only if people really do put in the effort. It would be really lovely because we've done nothing but win until now. And um, I want to continue winning. But also, if we don't make it, I'm still going to be happy. Um, there's going to be a massive celebration either way this weekend. So make sure you're around. And what else? I just want to say to everyone that I'm just so proud. Like, not like a father is, because I'm not like a father. But I'm just so filled with goosebumps every time I think about how incredible things are going and how amazing everyone is and how amazing the expedition is and how it's just all gone so well and how it creates such an amazing atmosphere. Despite the toxic nature of the internet, we've got one little haven. We've got an entire galaxy, actually, of just, you know, kindness and friendship and fun and adventure and a place that everyone can feel safe and make friends and feel happy and feel comfortable. Um, Unless they're going to open. If they don't like feeling too comfortable, then they can always do that. <laughs> and I could just go on like that with the feels for like 20 minutes, but I'm not going to. So that's what I wanted to say. Um, just well done, everyone, and keep it up. Lovely. So we have it. Um, Dr. Kai has goosebumps. Can I just not like a dad. dive? <laughs> Re- returning the feels there completely, James. Thank you and all the other organizers of Distant Worlds 2 for what has been probably some of my best memories in Elite Dangerous out of, and I've been playing it since the Gamma. Oh, so man, you I guys have that. done, you guys have done such an awesome job. You've taken us to so many beautiful, beautiful locations. It's just, I'm not really a massive explorer, but this is, it's just been great. And I've, I've loved every moment of, of what I've been doing in DW2. So, Thank just as a personal thank you from me to You're all welcome. you guys. And thank you for telling me that. I can't hear it enough, but I have heard it many times. Distant Worlds is a place where people have the best time they've ever had. Some, t- some people say ever. Some people say in gaming. Some people say in Elite, but it's always the best ever. 
and uh, it just I can't hear it enough it just makes me so so happy we, you know like if someone is in a good mood they improve the world like in a in a real way and we've got 13,000 people right now improving the world with their good moods and just so Damn happy right. and it's not it's yep. not I, yes I've done some hard work to get it off the ground but after I got it off the ground 13,000 amazing people have just taken it and flown with it across the galaxy and just made it what it is. So thank you to everyone who's taking part. And thank you for telling me that. I really appreciate it. Uh, right. We will, uh, we're going to uh, go to a quick advert break and then we're going to come back and carry on with the show. Um, James, thank you ever so much for coming on and um, giving up your Tuesday evening. Um, we really appreciate it. And it's I'll be back. So I'm happy to do it again. And thanks for inviting me. It's an amazing show and I feel very privileged to be here. And it's been a very good time talking to you. Thanks a lot. And so long, everyone. I spend so much time in my Imperial Trader. I find it really hard to meet people. I mean, when do you get the time to go to bars when you're taking on courier jobs for the military? But with VenusDating.com, it was so simple. I just put in my personal details and they found me my perfect match. I really thought it would be difficult, but Venus Dating made it so simple. With so much in common. We both like movies, walking along the beach at sunset. Browsing Imperial shipyards. And of course, since we started dating, we've discovered that we both really love... <laughs> shooting <laughs> Thargoids. Let your voyage begin with venusdating.com for every first encounter. On the far side of the bubble, on the dark side of an airless moon, on the slightly more interesting side of a ravine, there lived the engineer. The engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier. And your gas tank really, really big. What do you want? I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, muckabate, prickleback, sole, snook, snake, tang, wahoo, wabagum, banjo, banga, snook, sole, shad, scat, come on by with the long nosed cat, noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw, hooma, hooma, nooka, nooka, wapa, wapa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister! You're in the wrong commercial! Well, shit! Fish, because, you know, space! Hello, uh, welcome back. Right, on with the rest of the show. Um, LaveCon tickets. Are there any left? There were, the last I saw was Karen posted that there were three left, but that was about... Last I've seen was three as well. Nine o'clock. So, um, yeah. It, Someone listeners... I know has just gone and brought one. So there's probably less than three now. Yeah, less than three now then. <laughs> All right, read it. Uh, yeah, listeners, at the very most, there are two tickets kicking around of the golden planet <laughs> here for Lavecon. Um it's a bit Willy Wonka, isn't it? I've got a golden ticket to Lavecon. <laughs> <laughs> they look very Willy Wonka. I remember the last year. They, I, I'm sure it's deliberate. Um 
Right. The the other thing that happened uh, that is worthy of note is um, last week we were joined by Will and Sally to discuss um, Will's dump and run the previous Friday on um, on the forum with the bombshell. <laughs> is that like doing a drive by? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty drive off. <laughs> um, and um, and then on Tuesday or. No, it must no, it must have been after that. Um, but in the last couple of days, um, Will has come back onto the forums and um, and kind of answered everybody's questions, but also kind of not answered them at all. Um, personally, I, I'd like I, I feel like he's clearly under very strict instructions of what he's not allowed to say, and I do think that he's been quite diligent to making sure that he's taken everybody's into account and, and acknowledged them, even if he can't answer them. Um, did you guys did you guys catch Will's reply on the phone? Yeah, I've catched Will's reply. I mean, it's exactly what I was expecting. Um, what I just don't understand is how you know, Frontier have said several times in several locations there is stuff coming in 2020. Oh, there's, there's stuff coming in the next three months, every three months or something like that. Just not massive updates. I mean, I'm kind of picturing them on the scale of maybe th- you know, a small, like maybe 3.2 updates or something like that. You know, 3.1, 3.1 was a big one, 3.4 was a big, 3.2, 3.3 were relatively small updates. I'm picturing them that kind of size. It wouldn't surprise me if they, sh- if they put in a few new ships. That yeah, wouldn't, yeah. Totally yeah. agree with that. Totally agree with that. No, oh, yeah. I mean in three point was it three point two we got the crate or was that three one? Uh, you got it was in a it was a smaller update anyway. Yeah, you got crate in Chieftain. I think crate in Chieftain. I think you got first time round. Hmm. Um, because everyone was like, "Oh, Chieftain, Chieftain, Chieftain," and then the crate was. No, ready. we got we got the Chieftain first. Uh, we got the Chieftain uh before last year's Lavecon. So before we had the Chieftain before Lavecon twenty eighteen. I thought uh, the because... crate. I thought the crate was revealed at, at Frexpo. I think it was. The crate was re- it, revealed, it was revealed at Frexpo. It wasn't released. Yes. Um, it was. It wasn't released at the same time as the Chieftain because. Um... No, it wasn't. We had the Chieftain for a while before then. Yeah. 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 Different. Different one. Uh, uh, I to- I totally agree with you about the um uh about the. 3.1, 3.2 size though. I, I think that I think any the, any future updates will be um, for the next eighteen months or so will be about that size. Yeah, and they had ships in them, and they had you know little bits and bats, bug fixes. Just... So, what do you think the first release, new player stuff, and new ship? The release after that, a little bit more new player stuff and carriers, maybe. No, I, I, I reckon, I reckon carriers and ice planets are both being held back until 2020. I don't, I don't um, think we'll see. Yeah, I'm with Sue there. I think they're, they're part of the big thing. Oh. I, ice planets is much more easy to understand why, um, but from what they've said about them, um, I, I, I feel like they would have, if, if the news was better, they'd have said so. I think. <clears throat> Not only that, but I think it's the kind. It's the kind of thing that maybe they need to do a complete graphics overhaul or take multiple light sources. Or just it's the kind of or if you're going to go off and be reworking all the bloody planets in the game anyway for 
I don't know what reasons, you might go off and do a graphics overhaul to all the planets, not just ice planets, and yeah, just exactly. roll it all out at the one time. Exactly. So j- just to just to summarize, the uh, Will said um, with the question, he said oh, the main questions that people ask: What does the next era contain? Will has um, illuminated this by saying the next era will be in-game content, opposed to presumably out-of-game content. Um, future updates: What's the plan? No major update until the later half of latter half of 2020. Um, and then he's reiterated what he said in the original post. Um, bugs: um, He has reiterated the commitment to um, to squashing bugs from 3.3 and in general, um, and has emphasised the use of the new community for that. Um, most interesting for me was the power play arrangement um, that uh, he acknowledged Sandro's abortive attempt to fix it uh, 10 months ago. And uh, and acknowledged that it was it was a, a pressing concern to a lot of people. Um, was that a little bit of salt I heard there? <laughs> a little bit. I, I I just yeah. I guess it's something that I. We need a soothe negativity meter then. <laughs> no, mine's more of a Geiger counter. I, I was just thinking what they said the in-game content. What does that mean? Does that mean more paint jobs, or does that mean something? All the above, you know, what exactly do they count as in content? No idea. Uh, presumably, presumably, it means a feature that you can play in the game, as opposed to a different game, or a paint job, or something like that. Um, but yeah, so long story short, Frontier have at least acknowledged that PowerPlay is a problem, and most people would like it fixed, but they don't yet have an update. Uh, he says ice planets and fleet carriers are still planned, and they are still in the development roadmap. But they will say no more, um, and um, and that lifetime expansion pass content. Um, he's just reiterated that the that the next time, uh, the next LEP um, sort of the twenty twenty um, update will be LEP. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nothing until then will be uh, lifetime expansion pass content. Um, well, not be paid content anyway. <laughs> Mind well, wipes wanting fuzzy dice and a hula girl put back in. <laughs> One thing I did spring to mind just when I was reading through it was they call um, Elite the next era. Now, you don't get an era of just one update. Because people think, oh, it's 2020, and then there's nothing after that. But it's almost as if they're saying, well, actually, this is the start of a whole new, if you like, chapter or whatever of Elite, it seems to be bigger than just a Horizons update, or even the Beyond update, because the Beyond was had a definitive end date, but the way they're talking, using the word error, it kind of implies there's a lot more to come in the development of the game. Maybe I'm reading too much into the word, but... I don't know. They, if you watch live streams and things, they do, they do talk about the game in terms of pre and post certain things. So, for example, they they talk about some features as being pre-horizons, some post. Like, I, it it makes sense. The new era, if if they're working on something really chunky like space legs, it would make sense to divide, in their minds, the roadmap into pre that and post that. I think. I don't. Commander Hales is guessing maybe it's offline mode. <laughs> Tell Commander Hales to keep dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there was another. There's another bit of monster speculation uh, in the last few days, um, and it's it's regarding uh, 
the equally illuminating post that David Braben made about the um, the new IP that uh, Frontier will be developing a game for. Um, this was uh, this was very very cryptic indeed. It was just we're very excited. They're always very. Um, we've got a new IP. It's massive, and we're going to make a game of it. And we can't tell you what it is. Um, Shan, you've been doing some cracking um, deduction in terms of what it might be. Do you want to just quickly? Well, this what might be two add two equals six. But if it's due out in 2020 and it's an established like yeah IP license like the Jurassic World stuff was. I did a quick look at what movies were due out in 2020, and there's a whole list of them, but some of the ones that sort of jumped out at me that could be possible games was in 2020, we have Avatar 2, uh, Birds of Prey, which is a sort of spin-off of Suicide Squad, Godzilla vs. Kong, the new James Bond, Scooby-Doo, Ghostbusters 3, and Top Gun 2. Now, my heart really wants the Godzilla vs. Kong in like a Rampage game remake. But if I had to put a speculation pin down, I would think Avatar 2. Mm. I think think Ghostbusters, because it's the Ghostbusters, all hell Top Gun could could you imagine a Top Gun Cobra? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's got to be Cobra. Oh, that'd be so good. It would be elite, but in one big atmospheric world um, with lots and lots of hair metal. And this would be perfect for them doing their placeholder and just trying out the technologies for Earth-like worlds. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so much fun. I would love a Top Gun. I mean, one of my favorite... Was, was 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 there a Top Gun game in the arcades? Where you were landing on carriers, you had to go off, shoot a bunch of stuff, and then come back and land on the carrier. Yes, it's called Afterburner. <laughs> That's the Afterburner. That's what it was. <laughs> the um, the Avatar two thing. Presumably, that would be like a management sim again. Is that what you're thinking? Like make Possibly, your own uh... mining base. <laughs> what well, and kill the Navi? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just thought that if you look at the technology and because they, they they build worlds, you know, you've got the you've got all the foliage and mechanics of Jurassic World you can use. You've got the creature movement stuff from Jurassic World as well. Yeah. So you've got well spaceships, I suppose. But yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking, what big name license would would they want to go for? And Avatar seems to fit the sort of game they would like. I don't know. Just guessing. Yeah. But yeah. stranger things yeah. have happened. But yeah, so I, I want Godzilla versus Kong in a way, because you know <laughs> trash. Is that a um is that a film that's coming out this year then? Twenty twenty, Godzilla versus Kong, yeah. Is it a Western one or a or a Japanese one? I don't they know, out, but they bring out about one Western Godzilla film every decade. I don't know. I think Japanese it's a, ones every year. Obviously. I think it's a Westernized one, but I really want to do Japanese. So in the cutscenes, the mouths move out of sync to the language. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So that's quite exciting. Um, the other thing was the uh, the newsletter, newsletter two six three. 
which uh, I had a quick squiz through and didn't see anything particularly worthy of note. There was an allusion to um, the 2020 post. Um, there was the iridescent paint jobs. Um, anything leap out at either of you? I, I do have a confession about the iridescent paint jobs and the Crate Phantom um, ship kit. You are such a chav when it comes to spaceships. I brought a ship kit to my Crate Phantom, although it's not quite as... I don't know. It's okay, but... Are I, you I, rocking I, the mohawk? The mohawk um, tail? No, 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 no. I tried to. No, no, I'm not doing the mohawk tail. I have the uh, the the like the bridge, the bridge one. But all right. What, yeah. I, what I what what I thought looked good certainly when I was on screen was like all the scaffolding and all the you know the sensors and stuff poking out the front. Oh, I've well, got that. Yeah, but when you look out, it really gets in the way of your visibility. It's like really irritating. It's I don't know. It's it's, it's like having a a smudge um, on the other side of the car window that you can't rub off, you know. Mm. It, it, so I changed that. But yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I I got the purplish iridescent one as well, which I kind of regret because it doesn't look that great on it. So, so I, I, th- I think I've got the the purpley black one. Can't remember what it's called, but yeah, that's the one I've got, and I wasn't a big fan of it to be honest. So, I'm. I like what I'm looking like at the moment and when I was in the dock and things like that. So, yeah, I'm actually quite happy with it. But as with all these things and all the iridescent ones, it completely depends on your environment and the light you're coming, you're getting in. What are the, um, what are the options? Because there are three different ones. On. I think there's four. There's like a, there's, there's a pinky orange one, a pinky black one, a greeny black one, and is it a greeny blue one? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I can't sense. remember the names of them. Um, but it's something along those lines. But I actually, yeah. I quite, I quite like the iridescent skins and just the oh, can't rotate round. Uh, and believe it, it's, it just looks weird. Um, they're very cool. And they, I mean, they just change depending on everything in your environment, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I normally, um, I go for the. Look, uh, I like my ships look completely beaten up, so I haven't, I've never bought one of those, but I do really like mm. them. Um, something else that popped up on uh, on Twitter over the last few days was um, Matt Hughes, who is a um, an elite player, um, and I think he I think he worked at SpaceX, according to his t- Twitter profile, um, has knocked up a real hol- uh, hologram of um, of a, an elite dangerous uh like the wireframe ship models that you see on the loading screen on his um lkg glass uh did you guys see that i did see i did see that and it did look really cool super yeah. cool um he's that, just playing a video it's not dynamic but it does look amazing right okay is the um i don't know anything about that is the glass thing like a consumer is that something that you can buy and then he's he's put a video of an eagle through it i've never heard of it before i have to admit yeah very cool um stick the um uh if somebody could stick the link to the tweet in the um in the chat it would be cool just so people can see it because it does look does look awesome i can did i actually put that in the show notes i think colin did it it made me think it's a shame i can't have that sort of tech in my car obviously not not of an eagle but you know (laughs) (laughs) it would be really helpful if i wasn't chips while i drive (laughs) <laughs> but you know, you, you have that kind of mind you. You 
wouldn't be very safe in your car because you'd be spending so long looking at these spinny things and holograms <laughs> and stuff like that. You'd probably end up hitting the guy in front. I don't well, think so. I think you'd get used to it very quickly. It's not that much different from having a speedometer and, and gubbins on the dashboard behind the steering wheel. They're just a little bit higher yeah. and closer. It, it just means you need to use your to move your eyes less to, to find that information. I actually That's... don't think that... It's it's not that futuristic to think of. Uh, we already have dashboard elements in the in the windscreen. Yeah, because you already get heads up displays on quite a lot of cars now, even relatively mm-hmm. cheaper cars. Um, yeah, exactly. But I, I always kind of thought the because I've I've been in cars with heads up displays. I've always been a bit disappointed with them because I because yes, you can superimpose the sat nav left and right arrows on it on the on the HUD. But I almost like wanted a big finger going that way or. Or something like that to make it a bit more um, animated. So yeah, maybe. Um... The other thing I actually want to make cars is some cars now have a um, 360 camera where you right. put on, on your infotainment system, so you can see a graphical picture of the car and then the surrounding area. So as you drive along, you can see how close to the curb and stuff you are from above. Huh. But cool. wouldn't it be cool if you could have like shield rings around it? <laughs> that's got to be um i bet somebody could uh i bet that's possible <laughs> i bet it's possible to put shield rings around that'd be brilliant <laughs> and maybe like little uh little little squares for other cars and if anybody gets too close to you it turns into a little triangle and of course you know you you know you have your different modes of the cars don't you, you have comfort mode and stuff like that yeah. if you like to put four pitched engines that's like sport <laughs> mode yeah. oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> right okay we've got a project um cool uh Lavecon 2019 it is from the 4th to the 7th of July at the Sedgebrook Hall Hotel in Northamptonshire um it is not very far from Northampton. I was trained there last year. Um, it's sponsored by Spider Mine Games, which we're thrilled to thrilled to be partnered with. Um, and as of um, ten, as of seventeen minutes ago, there were three tickets left. There are probably still three tickets left um, from the Golden Platinum tier. So if you're extremely swift, you might bag one. Um, sadly, I can't make it. Are either of you two going? Ed, you're not, are you? Long way. Sorry. Lavecon. What are you doing? You're on a radio show. I'm trying to look for this tweet because I can't see it in the show notes. It's um... yes, Ben is going to la- to Lavecon. As, yes, as, I am going to Lavecon. No, I'm not going to ECM. Are you um? Are you taking your kids to Lavecon? No, no, I'm not. I know some people do take their kids to Lavecon, and Lavecon's a fairly suitable event for kids to go to. Just bear in mind, your kids are going to be around a bunch of adults. They're also your responsibility. There isn't any yes. childcare. <laughs> yeah, Slave yeah, Radio so. does not provide any childcare, and nor do you want us to. Is there <laughs> is a jugger this year? Because I when I went one year, they had jugger there, and that was a great hit with seven year old plus. You know? <laughs> uh, it's oh, I can never remember safety. the guy's name. Or did health and safety have a fit? Of, no, it of wasn't health and safety. Kids? pretend battle axes it was basically the guys who were doing the larping stuff and time um and then also being stuck out in a field all day uh so it was those kind of things plus 
Yeah, the, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. I I should know because I did. I was doing Artemis with him last year, and it's going to annoy me, and I'll probably remember in a couple of yeah, minutes' there, time. There, there aren't any special kids' activities. I don't think you can't. Your your kids have no. to be an age where they can amuse themselves or they can play with other kids happily. Um, but yeah, you can certainly bring them along. I think if you just don't sort of expect it to be like a holiday camp for them. Yeah, I mean, it's a very suitable event. They can do, yeah, they're more than welcome to jump into the VR stuff. Obviously, we've got the land room. There's a swimming pool. There's a nice field. There's (laughs) a nice field. It is a nice field. uh, The venue is surrounded by fields, so your children can run feral (laughs) while you uh, you play Elite Dangerous. There's free free coke. What more do you want for your kids? Ben, Um, out of the year, 2019. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually one of the reasons why I don't take my kids, because when I'm going to LaveCon, I'm going to LaveCon to to do LaveCon, not to sit around babysitting my kids all the time. Whereas when I'm looking after the kids, that's my job. I think it does depend on your children, because I, I, I remember Gene Bellow one year brought his children along, and they had a great time. Yeah. So it depends on your it depends on your children. You oh know? yeah, I mean, I could leave my 11 year old at LaveCon, and I wouldn't worry about him at all. My six year old and my two year old, though, you know, they probably needed a bit more interaction. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Also, you wouldn't bring your children along to Dockers, would you? <laughs> God no! I wouldn't take any of the kids along to there. <laughs> Long story short, bring your kids unless they're dicks. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. And and even if they're not, dump them in the field because they can run wild. Yeah, the around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, people take their helicopter, the, their quadcopters or whatever, right? Their, their drones and things, and fly drones around, or you know, they're running around catching Jurassic World. Right? No, but people, children like my, my kids like flying RC RC drones and things. Yep. Oh, that's great! You can just sort of step out, and you would get dive bombed by a kid's drone. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least there's no major airports nearby. That is that is it's, true. I guess with the adults could play drone cricket, couldn't they? Well, we have a cricket bat, and they. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more effective than, than <laughs> more effective than Gatwick security or Heathrow security. Um, yes. On LaveCon, um, yes. we uh, Karen says that if we sell out, there is going to be a waiting list for any cancellations, which which may happen. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled if you're not successful in getting a ticket, uh, because as the months tick on, we might release uh, a few from cancellations. Um, yeah, they gone. No, I'm gonna say uh, that's pretty common to have cancellations each year. So, and there are other other hotels are available, so you can always book a hotel somewhere close and then um, hang around for a ticket. Yeah, and the, they, the hotel sells typical bar food as well, so you can eat, but you will have to pay for it if you stay at a different hotel. We're also looking for a couple of volunteers to help out with VR, which will be helping the attendees to try out different headsets and that sort of thing, and the Artemis Bridge Simulator, um, which will be helping teams fly a mission. Uh, so if you're heading to LaveCon and would like to make yourself useful um, and don't intend on either dive-bombing children with remote-controlled helicopters um, or um, or sending them off running feral, if you're there as an adult doing adult things, then head over to the VR bit and give us a hand. If you could let us know through the normal channels whether this would interest you, then please do so because a couple of would really help. Our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, broadcasts on Thursdays from 8.30 at tv.forthemug.com and at radio.forthemug.com.
you can find our CQC Discord, which is for the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action, which is at discord.me forward slash elite dangerous CQC. And that is broadly it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at radio.com. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter, or you can join the Discord chat channel by going to discord.io forward slash Lave Radio. Say, um, Souverine, what's what, coming what, what, out this? What's coming out this Thursday, and what <laughs> came out last Thursday? Uh, oh gosh, shit! Sorry. Yes. So the issue number nineteen. Nineteen. What a venerable number. Issue number nineteen <laughs> of Sagittarius Eye is coming out this Thursday. It's coming out at five p.m. GMT, and it features some absolutely scintillating articles on a wide spectrum of topics like exploration, combat. And it even has a feature on my cat, my actual cat. So um, pick it up on Thursday and give it a read. Is we 19 also... not also the woman who play Elite Dangerous as well? Yes, that... yes, it is. Yeah. And, Am I uh... saying spoilers by saying that? I don't know. <laughs> you are massively, yeah. But Oops, I think most people, Sorry. Most, most people know that we were doing that. So, so over the last three or four months, we've had an ongoing editorial project to celebrate some of the the female elite dangerous players we share the galaxy with the combination of this is a chunky article that's the one of our cover articles this month so it really is it's the work of quite a lot of people's time and effort so um pick it up and have a read we're also releasing the audio version of issue 19 uh, which will be released at exactly the same time which you can find on our podcast page and it's available on all the usual channels, um, which is fully professionally voice acted. Well, it would be professional if we paid them, which we don't, and very, very high quality indeed. And we get lastly, paid in space cookies. Yeah, we get paid in emojis. And uh, which issue did we release last week, Ben? It, was it three? Was it four? It was. I think. It was Actually, might have, was it only two? I don't know. I'm might working on about five of these at the same time. <laughs> ben is the uh, Ben is the podcast manager over at Vegetarius Eye. And uh, as you can see, he uh, he clearly has a very strong grasp of what's going on. Um, we are <laughs> gradually going back. I can to... look it up and find out. Suvarin, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just about to to mention. You, you know the article on the female commanders. Yeah. Uh, I think you should make sure that people are aware it is not a version of Space Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a um, <laughs> yeah, it's not a Lonely Hearts. Um, FYI. <laughs> We are also going back through our back catalogue and gradually podcastifying uh, all of the back issues of Sagittarius Eye as well. So starting with issue one, over the next few months, we're going to be working our way through to the current issue um, by that point, which will be issue 24 or 25, something like that. And so two weeks ago, we released um, issue one, um, now fully voice acted. And uh, last week, we released issue two, I think. So uh, if you head to our podcast page on the Sagittarius Eye website, you'll you'll be able to pick those up. And if you're on Distant Worlds 2, they make absolutely fantastic podcast, uh, sorry, cockpit listening. Anyway, Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at uh, 8.30, and it is streamed out on laveradio.com slash live. Thanks to, to Shan, Commander Shan, for coming on and um, uh, spending the evening again. Thanks to Commander Edelweiss. Thanks to our absent special guest, uh, Dr. Kai. Thanks to Ventura, our dashing tech chap. And that's about it. So, until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that... Hold on, Suv, 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 Last second question from Merolius on Twitch. Can you print Sagittarius Eye as a printable book?
You can. We are for most of a year. We've been trying to we've been trying to get uh, to set up a Patreon tier by which you can subscribe and receive a paper copy every month in your letterbox. This is taking a really long time because we need to go through Frontier's licensing department. And in the meantime, what we do when we want print copies is, print copies is we use a service called mixum.co.uk, which is M-I-X-A-M. And they are a an online printer. To get a copy posted to my door costs about £24. The um, You can download the, the PDFs from our website. Uh, if you are... If you're a Patreon, or sorry, if you're a patron, you have access to 300 DPI copies, which which do print better. And uh, and you can just hop onto mixum.co.uk, um, upload the issue, um, and get it printed and posted straight um, directly to you. If you print more, obviously the cost plummets a lot. Like printing one is 24 quid, printing two is 30 quid. Um, so um, so yeah, it is possible. And until um, until we work out a more permanent solution we're doing is advising people to do that. Um, Mixum is based in the UK. So if you're not based in the UK, then you want to find a local printing service. Um, Internet-based ones are the way to go because a lot of the water ones will be um, prohibitively expensive. Right. No more questions? I think that's it from Twitch. Quickly get out of here before they catch up. In that case, I think that's it from us. Fly safe, everybody. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Galnet News Digest, 12th of March, 3305. We read the news, so you don't have to. In this week's news, bomb-bearing Barnabas plans planetary sacrifice. Clerical error cuts short squadron season. Scribbling senator reads the codex. Distant bodgers outfit station despite setbacks. Fleet carrier delay 
continues. Bomb-bearing Barnabas plans planetary sacrifice. Nutty religious cult, the children of Tuthos, may be planning to summon their deity by destroying a city, according to secret federal intelligence reports. Zealot-in-chief Barnabas Cole believes that demonic deity Tothos, who occupies the space between stars, can be summoned by making a colossal ceremonial sacrifice. Having stolen the 300 megaton Lucifer device, crazy cultist Cole now has the perfect way to make a city-sized human sacrifice to make his demented demon come round for tea and scones. City authorities throughout the galaxy are warned to be on the lookout for an undetectable portable nuclear warhead that might just be about to give their city an unexpected and unwelcome visit. Clerical error cuts short squadron season. Season 2 of the squadron leaderboards ended early due to an unforeseen and undetected mistake by a lowly clerk. Season 1 lasted two months, giving squadrons plenty of times to jockey for a position to win a wibbly hollow bobblehead as a prize for finishing in the top three. However, the month-counting department of the Pilots' Federation appears to have got itself in a muddle for the following season, using an egg timer that was completely the wrong size. When the last grains of sand ran through a whole month early, the season ended automatically. The scores were reset and the prizes were sent out before the award-winning community team even noticed anything was wrong. Season 3 will now last from March until April, assuming the newly employed month-counting device can count to two. Scribbling Senator Reads the Codex Loremeister, Lord of Midnight and chronicler of the downfall of Lady Kahina Lorraine, Senator Drew Wagar has posted a holovid in which he discusses the vexed question of Raxler. Raxler is widely believed to be a portal to another galaxy or even another universe, originally discovered by a secret organisation known as the Dark Wheel. As it was discovered long before the invention of the frameshift drive, Raxler must be in or very close to the human-inhabited bubble, yet its whereabouts remain unknown to anyone outside the Dark Wheel. To find Raxler, we must first find the Dark Wheel. Senator Wegar opened the codex entry for the Dark Wheel during his video, and discovered several interesting facts. The Dark Wheel refers to a cloaked space station with a habitation ring, not detectable using normal scanners, orbiting the eighth moon of an unnamed gas giant. To discover Raxler, you must be elite, and Shinrata Desra, home of the Elite Pilots Federation, has two eighth moons of gas giants that do not have names, one of them with a surface base run by an organisation styling itself the Dark Wheel. Could the Dark Wheel space station be orbiting one of these moons? Or is it somewhere else, among the thousands of systems in the bubble? The mystery is unlikely to be solved any time soon. But you never know. Raxler might just turn up one day, when we're least expecting. 
distant Bodger's outfit station despite setbacks. The campaign to enlarge the gift shop at Explorer's Anchorage, which is near Sagittarius A Star, is making very good progress despite the setbacks at the beginning of the campaign. The host system was threatened by lockdown due to a lack of bounty hunting opportunities. In addition, for some would-be participants, the mission board was initially invisible. For some others, the entire station was invisible, even when they were docked at it. But the system didn't enter lockdown. The station is now visible and the campaign is making very good progress. The number of tourist belugas and pirate ships at Sagittarius A-Star can only grow in response to the success of this campaign, as the Distant Worlds 2 expedition moves out. In related news, there are rumours that the Lave radio crew are planning to relocate to Explorer's Anchorage, although the reason for this possible move is not yet clear. After all, Lave radio has nothing to do with Sagittarius. Fleet carrier delay continues. The Pilots' Federation is still working urgently with manufacturers to ensure the delivery of fleet carriers as soon as possible. In a statement, they regretted that they'd been unable to deliver these potentially useful mobile stations in the original timescale, but confirmed that they expect the first fleet carriers to be assembled well in advance of the 3306 timescale for other major changes. In fact, there is no technical hold-up preventing the deployment of fleet carriers. They're ready to be made available, just as soon as the Pilots' Federation has worked out what they're for. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. <laughs>